minutes there. Be my baby on this 3CR subscriber drive. You are on In Your Face on 3CR with James. We're chatting with Thea Riley today and activist Rodney Croom. But we do have the wonderful music producer Thea Riley on the line. Hello, Thea. Hello, James. So great, as always, to hear your voice on the show. I always get really excited when I know you're going to be on air. What have you been up to? Um, I've been playing a lot of guitar um, in various tunings, uh, mostly for like heavier punk music, and just I guess trying to figure out how it how I can like fit it into all my pop stuff as well. Tell us about the processes that you go through when you write your songs. Well, um, I can definitely say it's a lot of just sitting with what you're thinking about and being very aware of what that is as well. Um, So sometimes I avoid it completely. And other times, you know, you just feel that it's time maybe to process something and so I'll write a song. Like there was one I wrote and I I came up with this lyric, 25 years of your finest silence. I don't know if it's a good lyric. I think it's good. And yeah, it's it's kind of sarcastic of a song, which is new for me. I I took myself very seriously for a long, long time. But, um, you know, the prolificness that I've returned to at this point in my life really comes from... You know, having a sense of humour about everything and, like, you know, just being able to put it all out on the page and say, that's terrible. That's really good. Yeah. Last time we spoke, you just finished your beautiful album, Sleepy Wolf, which was all about sleep. Did it help? Yeah, it did help. Um, knowing my instruments, knowing myself, knowing my surroundings. Um very different place to write from than that fight or flight type of place I guess I would compare it to mentally um, yeah still new to me but um, I definitely prefer it yeah and that album was the catalyst just to change in how I work and and what I require myself reasonably <laughs> so yeah and just what brings me joy, too. That's another place where you think, oh, I can't write songs. But that's another place where songs come from is just another another emotion, another thought, like, it's all good. Tell us a bit more about that fright and flight place that you mentioned before. That sounds like um, it gives great momentum, but it sounds exhausting. Oh, yeah. Um, there's a song called Really, I guess. I mean, there's a few songs inspired by, you know, horrifying arguments that I've had with my ex-partners. But, you know, how far do we have to really push this before we, like, actually start to care about each other? Um, And I've learned to love, well, I guess myself and, and the body that I've been given and... A lot of little things that kind of took me to this place. It wasn't just sweet because, you know, all my songs used to come from that place. So even just learning to write again was like a whole journey and so vital. And it's such a process that I'm still in, you know, very much in the thick of it. I know it, 
Tell us about um, your new single that's coming out soon, 2AM, Tired Eyes. Yeah. Um, well, stunningly, I wrote this track in Canada um, just because I was really inspired there. Everything's really beautiful. It was winter. Um, it was 2014 and I was very young. So, so anyway, 2AM, Tired Eyes, for better or for worse. Um, Still the most creative hours of probably any artist today. But, um, yeah, you've got to take care of yourself. It's a message to myself and to anyone else who knows they need to do it. <laughs> so, yeah. Absolutely. Well, it's a beautiful track, and we're going to play it right now on the show. Uh, Thea oh, Riley, I'm so excited. thank you so much. It's always great to hear your voice uh, and thank love, you so much, love seeing you thriving as a musician. It's just awesome. Thanks for chatting. The wonderful Thea Riley there, and here's her track, 2AM, Tired Eyes.
brothers and sisters, what a show of strength we've got here today. Local issues. So I'm here at the school, kids strike for climate action. Live coverage. Join the, the spirit of this gathering here today at IMARC. Your voices. So give us a bit of a lowdown about what's happening. There's about 200, 200 people here at the moment. Community struggles. We're now in front of the uh, Tundaminawaya Mōbohina Monument. I'd like to thank Community Radio 3CR, who for the last decade has been broadcasting here. Feed Radical Radio, your membership is vital. A few hundred people about to pass us right now. Lots of young people standing up for their future. Subscribe today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 9419 8377. in your face on 3CR with James, joined by activist Rodney Croom. Rodney, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. Always great to chat. Um, Rodney, where have we landed with the religious discrimination bill? It's been a pretty topsy-turvy couple of weeks with the bill. It's been a very stressful couple of weeks uh, with um, the bill coming on in the House of Representatives for debate with a whole range of amendments being put uh, by uh, Labor and uh, the crossbenchers and the Greens. Um, and then uh, when one of those amendments was successful, the bill being withdrawn by the government uh, and seemingly uh, not returning until after the election. So, um, yes, it's been a, a, a very stressful and a very difficult couple of weeks, particularly for those of us who um, oppose the bill, um, believe that as I do, and many of your listeners, I think, would agree that it rolls back existing protections for a whole range of different groups in Australia, including LGBTIQ plus people, people with disability, people in uh, minority faiths. It would have made our lives worse. Uh, so it's a great relief to have the bill withdrawn. Uh, but there's also still a lot of confusion about exactly what happened um, and uh, where the various parties landed in terms of what was in that bill. Yeah, it was bizarre, wasn't it? You had the, the five moderates cross the floor over the amendment uh, to the Sex Discrimination Act to protect trans kids in schools, but yet they uh, voted with the government on other insidious parts of the bill, such as the Statement of Belief Clause and basically overriding state anti-discrimination laws. What do you make of all that? Yes, um, it was uh, a confusing time. You write that uh, a number of moderate Liberals crossed the floor, voted with Labor to protect LGBTIQ plus students in faith-based schools, particularly trans students, because uh, that was something the government didn't want. They said, we will agree to protecting same-sex attractive students, but not trans students. Um, I don't think the government really understands what the word discrimination means, because that's so blatantly discrimination and would have um, created a terrible, a far worse situation that already exists for trans students. Um, but it seems that the stakeholders on the religious right, were uh, that's where they drew the line. Um, and uh, they insisted the bill be pulled because of that particular provision that was supported, as you said, by the moderate Liberals and Labor. But when it came to other provisions, that was actually a provision, as you noted, of the Sex Discrimination Act. When it came to provisions of the actual bill under debate, the Religious Discrimination Bill, the situation wasn't nearly as um, satisfactory. Uh, Labor put up an amendment to uh, 
to do away with uh, an override of existing laws when it came to um, demeaning and derogatory behaviour and language. That was uh, Clause 12 of the bill, so-called statements of belief. Um, and uh, that was a step forward. Uh, because, of course, in my home state of Tasmania, that provision was going to actually directly override a, a protection that's been there for a quarter of a century. It was also going to override protections in the Race Discrimination Act and other important pieces of anti-discrimination legislation. Labor um, uh, amended that. Unfortunately, only three Liberals, moderate Liberals, crossed the floor to support that. So those moderate Liberals, some of them who had supported the protection for trans kids, weren't willing than to uh, to support Labor on removing this this other invidious clause, uh, and that was that was very disappointing. Um, there's also, of course, uh, another provision in the bill, clause 11, which allows the Commonwealth to override um, protections for uh, teachers uh, in the existing state and territory protections for teachers in faith-based schools and staff of faith-based organisations, um, and Labor didn't even try and remove that. Labor actually supported that, um, and only two Liberals crossed the floor uh, against that provision, being Trent Zimmerman from Sydney and Bridget Archer from Launceston. Um, but because Labor went with the government on that one, uh, that stayed in the bill, and it would probably have stayed in the bill in the Senate as well if it, if it had been debated in the Senate. And that's a huge disappointment for someone like me because... Again, in my state of Tasmania, um, those protections have been there for uh, LGBTIQ plus staff in faith-based organisations and also staff, heterosexual staff in de facto relationships and, and, and uh, many other people. They've been there for a quarter century. There's no problem with them. And yet the Commonwealth is going to come in and override them. Same with existing protections in the ACT, Queensland and the new protections that have been enacted in Victoria. So here you had Labor supporting... Um, the government's attempt to override these state laws, protecting teachers, taking away the job security of people who have been um, in employment for you know and, and and participating in their in their school communities without a problem for years. I just do not understand why Labor did that. Labor also, of course, refused to amend the Sex Discrimination Act to protect teachers. The limit of its um, protection was students. So Labor does seem to have a problem with LGBTIQ plus teachers in faith-based schools, which is disappointing. Um, it seems that that was decided in the Labor caucus uh, debate on this bill that took place on the Wednesday, last Wednesday, um, that they would protect students but not teachers. Uh, and um, I think going into the next federal election, we need to put as much pressure on Labor as we can to get them to reverse that position they can't be weak on teachers. They need to be protecting teachers as well, even if, even if for the sake of the, even if only for the sake of the young people. I mean, what kind of message does it send a young LGBTIQ plus student in a faith-based school to have a gay or trans teacher of theirs sacked just because they're gay or trans? That makes the school unsafe for them. Um, it doesn't. Uh, it, 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 it's not enough to say we'll protect the kids and allow the teachers to be discriminated against, the kids see that discrimination and feel uh, unsafe and uh, know that they have, you know, that they don't belong in that school environment. So, um, yeah, Labor's policy is untenable and it really needs to change uh, before the next election. Yes, the Labor Party's position is very confusing. It's all over the shop. It's almost as if they're trying to hedge their bets electorally 
and kind of put their feet in lots of different camps and kind of send a confusing message. Look, we, we you know, support it, but we don't support it. Um, it seems to be based on their perceptions of, of electoral tractability rather than human rights principles. Yes. Um, I think an assessment's been made that protecting kids from discrimination is okay, that we know that, according to opinion, opinion polls, overwhelmingly Australians want that to happen. Um, it's something that they'll get credit for. But when it comes to protecting teachers, um, there is still majority support for that in Australia, but I think that they've decided that that's the issue that they'll try and pander to the prejudices of religious leaders on. And... Um, and that will be the issue that they'll, yeah, that they'll, um, they'll betray us on. And, and when I say betrayal, I mean that. I, before the uh, decision was made to to abandon teachers, the Labor Party said repeatedly, this is Anthony Albanese, Mark Dreyfus, and Tanya Plebsek, that they would not weaken any existing protections, which is exactly what they did when they re- voted with the government to override these state laws protecting teachers. Um, so uh, the Labor Party would uh, is happy to betray us, the LGBTIQ plus community, if it means that they can have a little tick from the uh, uh, religious right and from some conservative faith communities on the issue of teachers in faith-based schools. And I think that's appalling. What we saw um, last week from the Labor Party was yet another, what's called in the press, marathon meeting on LGBTIQ issues, which, as you've noted, James, came out with a, a policy that was all over the place. The coalition's the same. Whenever this, this kind of stuff comes up, they always have marathon meetings with policies that are, that are uh, completely inconsistent and incoherent. It really shows the need for both major parties to go through uh, a proper policy development process and adopt comprehensive policies on LGBTIQ plus issues um, so we can all know where they stand um, and so that they don't have to go through these meetings and come out with these incoherent policies. Um, it's time for much better, much higher standards of policy making from both parties on LGBTQIA plus issues. I, for one, am tired of trying to push them forward when they're constantly falling back um, on uh, because they, they feel the need to respond to prejudices, which barely register in Australian society anymore. I don't understand why they feel they need to, pre- to pander to the prejudices of some religious leaders. Um, the majority of Anglicans, the majority of Catholics, the majority of members of other faith communities uh, don't want discrimination in their name. I don't understand why the parties feel that they need to uh, prolong that discrimination. What do you make of the Prime Minister's behaviour on the bill? I mean, he reframed it as being about a promise that he made before the Wentworth by-election in relation to the Amendment of the Sex Discrimination Act, which was separate to the bill, and, you know, completely reframed the debate. And it was amazing how many MPs were prepared to go along with that and accept it. What do you make of all that? Um, There was a lot of bizarre and very frustrating spin about this bill. Um, the government over the last month or two has been desperately trying to say that the bill is, the religious discrimination bill is a conventional piece of discrimination legislation. It stops discrimination against people of faith, and that's it. Um, we know that that's, that's a blatant lie. You just have to read the bill. It overrides existing protections. It allows discrimination in the name of faith. Um, dozens of 
high-profile legal academics have written at length about this. Uh, disability groups, minority faiths, uh, multicultural groups, LGBTI groups, of course, um, Indigenous groups, all of these different groups from across society came out and said, no, 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 this bill allows discrimination and, and we don't want it. And yet the government kept going to the public saying, no, 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 that's not true. <laughs> it's just a conventional discrimination bill. I, I don't know. I, I, in my experience, I've never seen an example of such blatant lying about, about a piece of legislation. Um, it was so audacious uh, and I assume that there are some people out there who believe it, um, and it made our job much harder in terms of getting the message across. But uh, in Tasmania, where I live, obviously, I was able to observe the debate at a local level. And um, the local newspapers had editorials against the bill. There were majority letters to the editor were against the bill um, because people were aware increasingly of the Tasmanian overrides. And so the government's um, claims that the bill was fine, you know, nothing to see here, just became increasingly irrelevant to people and they just dismissed them. Um, that can't be good for the government's reputation when people can see through its lies so easily, um, as I think quite a number of Australians have done. Uh, and it keeps on telling these lies. I'm really astounded. Um, and in terms of the Sex Discrimination Act, you're right, it was the same. Uh, the Prime Minister went back to a promise he made and failed to keep three years. Um, a promise that included trans kids, and then he excluded trans kids. Uh, I'm amazed by how audacious uh, the federal government is when it comes to completely misrepresenting what the law is, uh, what laws they want, uh, and what policies they have and had have had in the past. What do you make of the optics of the government avoiding so many issues like climate change, uh, it's botched aged care, uh, you know, it's avoided an anti-corruption commission, but yet it's up until 5am trying to push this religious discrimination bill through uh, that so many people just don't want. Um, voters must be scratching their head and going, you know, well, what are they doing? They're not really looking after our interests. Yes, they are. And that was, uh, I've heard, I've listened to Talkback Radio, read letters to the editor right across the country, and that's a very strong point of view. Why are they pushing this when there's no actual problem? Um, and uh, there are all these actual problems that they're ignoring. And the conclusion I'm sure a lot of people come to is, well, it's just a distraction from the um, government's poor record in other areas. Uh, it's... Just Equal, the group I belong to, did an uh, asked uh, YouGov Galaxy to do a poll a couple of weeks ago, with, and we released it a couple of weeks ago, into the key issues in the bill. And we were surprised by the strength of support in the Australian population. There was a sample, I think, of about 1,100 people in this survey. The strength of support for removing discrimination against LGBTIQ plus students and teachers in faith-based organisations and not allowing demeaning conduct or language in the name of religion. Uh, it was up nearly 80%, uh, not on all of those issues, but on some of them. Um, Australians just... Uh, Australians have moved on. They no longer want to give special privileges to people of faith just because of their faith. Um, the idea that we all deserve to be equal before the law and we all deserve a fair go um, uh, and we all deserve to be protected equally... 
by discrimination law seems to have really settled down deep into the Australian psyche and allowing people special rights just isn't acceptable anymore. So the government is already dealing with a very unpopular idea here. And then to, to be seen to be pushing it through Parliament at the expense of dealing with really you know things that other people care about, um, well, it's just I can't see it as anything but a loser for the government um, right across the country. What can you tell us about the religious discrimination bill going to yet another inquiry? I mean, it's had four already. Yes, and that's not including the uh, several other inquiries that have been conducted about religious freedom in the last decade, decade also by our parliament. Um, so the issue of uh, the government pulled the bill, as we've said, because um, it didn't like the House of Representatives amendment that um, protects trans kids from discrimination in faith-based schools. Uh, the religious right was up in arms about that. The Australian Christian lobby seemed to think that uh, that was the you know that was the worst thing ever. It would rather lose everything else that was in that bill rather than uh, you know, rather than um, protect trans kids in faith-based schools, which I guess shows the depth of, of the transphobia there. Um, so the government. Just, came up with some odd excuses about how um, that amendment might actually make things worse in terms of discrimination or that single-sex faith-based schools couldn't deal with this, which is nonsense. I mean, I've actually done work myself as a, as a trainer and um, on LGBTIQ issues in the classroom in single-sex secular uh, and faith-based schools in Tasmania, and they don't have any issues with trans kids at all. Um, uh, so that was nonsense. They're going to send it off to an inquiry. Uh, we don't know, or I don't know yet, how long that will take um, or whether it will be done before the election or not. Um, it looks like an excuse just to get the bill out of the way for the election. Um, but we shouldn't assume that it's necessarily gone. Uh, the government might decide that they want to bring it back in the last couple of days of sitting um, just uh, to see if they have a, you know, another chance of getting it through after they've applied pressure to whoever they feel they need to apply pressure to. Um, a lot of people are thinking, oh, it couldn't possibly come back uh, and that inquiry couldn't possibly occur in time. But um, we've said that before. People have said that before about this bill. They've said, no, it's not coming back. It's just a vote loser. But it came back and it could come back again. So we need to keep a very close eye on that inquiry and on the government's timetable, just in case they do decide to bring it back and uh, force it through when no one's looking. And also apply pressure on senators as well so that they vote against it, uh, especially Labor senators. Because as you've said before, if the Labor Party votes for it, then it's done and dusted. It's through. Yep. Yes, that's the, that's the problem. It went through the House of Representatives with Labor support, even though Labor didn't get its amendments up. Um, so if they do that again, they put amendments and don't get them up, then, you know, it's possible that Labor could vote it through into law. I mean, so the, folklore, the folklore that's out there is kind of, well, look, Labor pushed these amendments, they didn't get up. Yeah, they voted for it, but that was all about so they could say out in, you know, the House of Rep seats in, you know, New South Wales and other kind of, you know, marginal religious seats in Western Sydney and beyond that, you know, they stood up for religious freedom. But the folklore is, that, oh, in the Senate, they're going to vote against it. We can't take that for granted, can we? 
absolutely not. <laughs> That's very naive <laughs> to think that uh, in the Senate they'll do the right thing. Like I said earlier, they Labor waved through a provision of the bill that would have overridden protections for teachers in Tasmania, the ACT, Victoria and Queensland. Just, just like that. Um, yes, it's quite possible that Labor will decide, particularly closer to the election, that it would look bad for it to uh, vote, vote down this bill. So it, uh, we can't take that for granted at all. Um, some of its amendments that didn't get up in the House of Representatives may get up in the Senate, um, particularly uh, on the, the clause dealing with statements of belief. Um, if, say, uh, Senator Andrew Bragg from New South Wales or Dean, Senator Dean Smith from WA decide to vote for that um, or, or, or other Liberals cross the floor, the numbers are pretty tight in the Senate, so um, they may get some amendments up and they, and they may feel, well, that's enough for us, so we're happy to vote the bill through. And then, of course, if they do get amendments up, it'll go back to the House of Assembly, sorry, House of Representatives, and there may not be time to deal with it there before the election. Um, there's any number of possibilities, but uh, the one thing we need to be absolutely that we need to be really careful of is assuming that it won't come back and assuming that Labor won't vote it through in a form that's disavowed changes to us. We can't make those assumptions. We have to be really vigilant about the possibility of the return of the bill and the possibility of Labor doing the wrong thing. You must have been disappointed that some uh, queer MPs in the government voted for the legislation. I mean, Tim Wilson was very quiet, wasn't he? Uh, Former Human Rights Commissioner, you would have thought he would have stood up for uh, states' rights, particularly around anti-discrimination law and protecting it. Yes, it was disappointing. Um, Tim Wilson and uh, Trevor Evans, a member from Brisbane, we didn't hear much from them. They supported the legislation through, even though it would have overridden existing discrimination protections. Um, and, uh, yeah, and as you say, that's particularly disappointing from um, someone who was a human rights commissioner. Um, uh, and with the other moderate liberals who, um, who actually did cross the floor on the trans protection amendment... Um, I'm also a bit disappointed with some of them because they didn't follow through with it. They didn't support um, um, other amendments to the bill that would have improved it for LGBTIQ plus people. They knew that the trans kid amendment would get the headlines, that they would be in the press uh, looking like they're doing a good thing. Um, But so many other amendments that they didn't support um, were necessary in order to uh, improve the lives of LGBTI plus people, including elect people in their, own, in their own electorates. So then I'm talking about Dave Sharma and Angie Bell, um, who didn't follow through, who, who, who were happy, it seems, with that headline that they protected trans kids, but then didn't do what was necessary to provide protections for all of us. Um, the two standouts who I've already mentioned are Trent Zimmerman from North Sydney and Bridget Archer from Launceston, um, who did the right thing on every vote um, and are to be commended. I particularly want to honour Bridget Archer because she's in a marginal seat. Uh, there's only a couple of hundred votes in it in, in the seat of Bass in Tasmania. Um, and she stood against this bill the whole time because uh, she's met with members of 
of minority communities who would be disadvantaged. She knows uh, what will happen if this bill passes, and she put that first and foremost. She's my hero. You said before the Labor Party betrayed the community. It really does seem, though, doesn't it, that those queer MPs in the government that voted for it did, in fact, betray their own community and then haven't really tried to kind of explain why. Um, it's very disappointing, very disheartening. Um, yes, and uh, I imagine LGBTIQ+, plus, um, and other constituents in those electorates, in their electorates, will be looking to other candidates. Uh, quite possibly, um, including, uh, I think, in, in some of these seats, there are, especially in, in Tim Wilson's, there are um, independent, um, centrist candidates running um, who were very much against this legislation. So, uh, naturally, there will be constituents who look to those candidates rather than the existing Liberals who uh, gave the impression during the marriage equality debate that they were um, defenders of equality and inclusion that have shown during the religious discrimination debate that that's not always the case. Yeah, the politics of selling out the community hasn't been that smart, I think. I mean, as you say, uh, people like Tim Wilson have uh, a very strong challenge happening from independence, and surely, you know, uh, voting for the religious discrimination bill is just going to strengthen those challenges. Yes. Um, I really don't understand why... uh the, there were some MPs who who stood up on some issues, mentioned them already, but that, that didn't include Tim Wilson or Trevor Evans. Um, of course, Wilson and Evans um, are in the uh, outer ministry, um, and uh, so that may have constrained them in, in speaking out, but, the, but the, it didn't necessarily have to. Um, there have been ministers in the past who have um, expressed their disagreement with some aspect of government policy without necessarily being penalised. Um, and uh, even if there was a penalty uh, in terms of their participation in the ministry, surely they would have seen that this was an issue that many people in their electorates are looking to and that ultimately they need to put their electorate first. Rodney Croom, thank you so much for chatting with me today on 3CR. Always wonderful to get your insights. Thanks very much, James. Kicking stones across the empty room, I sneak a souls. Scarfing as we go Neither one of us Want this summer to end Chevrolet Sunset paradise We both lay Here just waste time Neither one of us Want this summer to end I, I know my heart will break when I see you go I know I'll waste away waiting for you to call I know things will change after summer ends Starving nights, just you, me and 
Local talent, Kaya Mercedes there. In Your Face would like to thank Thorn Harbour Health for their sponsorship of this program. Thorn Harbour Health envisions a healthy future for our gender, sex and sexuality diverse communities, a future without HIV, and a future where all people live with dignity and respect. To find out more, search Thorn Harbour Health on your search engine or Facebook. <laughs>